The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. It's spring here. (laughs) No, it's not. It's January 26th. Spring doesn't happen anywhere on January 26th. Well, you say that. (laughs) I just said it. Yeah. Therefore, it must be true. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I was, I was out of town and I get back and I get off the plane and like the first thing I need to do, I'm, I'm like in the jet bridge and I'm like, I have to take this down jacket off. Ah, um, the rain has ended and you know, there's just, there's something in the air. It's not pollen, but there's something in the air and it's like, yep, we've had a change of seasons and, uh, I am just itching to go for a ride well 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 i mean i spent my morning on a ski lift being absolutely pelted with frozen ice pellets and wet snow as the temperature hovered around 32 Mm. and the wind blew and uh but it was fine i love it what you were pelted with was that coming from the sky or snow guns oh no no snow guns here (laughs) yeah no no all pardon i picked up a cough from my son oh lovely little self-propelled petri dishes of contagion children are yes they are yes they are so my my voice may get a little interesting during this one uh well let's jump right in what do you say sure sure so as i said i skied this morning uh which isn't riding a bike uh, although the, the, I would say the flow balance and line choices that are required in downhill skiing mm-hmm. are a lot like the experience of mountain biking, uh, or at least mountain biking downhill. Um, <laughs> another thing those activities have in common, particularly this time of year is a mania to divine what the conditions will be and attempt to choose the right gear to meet the day. Amen. (laughs) Yes. In my experience, there is seldom one correct choice, but that doesn't (laughs) matter. (laughs) That doesn't matter. We still feel compelled to talk it through every single time. And lots of outdoor sports have this. Mm -hmm. Surfers have like a pre-surf banter. Uh, They talk about wind direction, tides, whether a wave is clean or sloppy, Mm -hmm. how fast sets are coming in. one of my favorite How big the waves terms are, is which gun you're going to bring if you're going to need right. a gun. If you need a gun, that's right. One of my one of my favorite um, surfing terms is knee high peelers. Yes. Um, the people I know who fish have their own version, too. They, they do winds and tides. Also, they also talk about where the birds are, where are the bait fish. Are we throwing live bait or lures? Mm. Which type of lure today? You know, like top bottom, all Mm -hmm. of that stuff. Uh, I drove up here to Vermont, uh, which is where I am midweek because there were, there was a storm building and we were anticipating close to a foot of snow. Although mother nature remains a cruel mistress and the conditions didn't entirely pan out as predicted. Um, Regardless, I found myself in a serious conversation this morning about how sticky the snow might be, what the ungroomed terrain might look like, which skis to, to ski, etc. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not a good skier. That's just true. Okay. I, I learned pretty late in my life, so I don't have a lot to add to these conversations. I sort of sit there slack jawed. 
Um, <laughs> often my guess as to how to approach the conditions is wrong or my lack of skills makes the difference between the few gear choices I actually have fairly moot. <laughs> <laughs> There's really nothing about my choices that's going to optimize my day. Um, but anyway, uh, last week I had this same conversation about tires. Um, mm. Back in Boston, it's been alternately wet, snowy, icy, just a total mix uh-huh. Uh, so the crew the crew I ride with is constantly monitoring road and trail conditions and sort of wondering whether studded tires are necessary or just nice to have, how wide a tire is the right one, what pressure should be run. You know, more volume and lower pressure can increase traction, but on ice, actually, that all goes out the window and then you must have studs. But of course, yeah. studs don't help much in snow. So there's this endless sort of second guessing. Um, Mm -hmm. Most of the time, the surfaces are just challenging. Trails ice over, and even if you have studded tires, all sorts of ruts and footprints in the ice make the riding tough. Most of the time, everything is just variable anyway. Dry pavement gives way to black ice. Trails with a thin layer of grippy hero snow turn into ice rinks. Um... It seems like a lot of the time, and maybe it's just because I've been riding for so long, I sort of, I sort of, I sort of feel destroyed by the pre, (laughs) by the pre-ride banter, you know, the combing through of guesses and intel. (laughs) And I sort of think, well, everybody just make your best guesses and do the best you can. At the same time, there's something sort of soothing about the group sourcing of decisions, Uh right? Uh My friends have often saved me from my own poor intuition or laziness (laughs) a lot of times. (laughs) I just want to ride this bike because it's the one that's ready to go, but it's the wrong bike. Uh, But how wrong is it? Uh Uh I guess I just find it amusing how much talk goes into going outside. And how each of the outdoor subcultures has their own sort of jargon and blather. Mm-hmm. Do yep. you, I mean, how do you feel about this? Do, I assume you participate in it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been known to instigate. Oh. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, big, the big place in my life where uh, these conversations really happen is in the run up to a grasshopper. Uh, sure. An those, event. Yeah. Oh, well, very specifically the grasshoppers. Cause like when I'm doing, uh, say a bike monkey mountain bike event, uh, there's not a lot of talk about tires or which bike or whatever. Uh, it's, it's fairly clear. Everything's going to fall within a fairly narrow band. Mm. Um, with, uh, with any of the bike monkey gravel events like fish rock, and then with all of the grasshoppers, because they're all mixed, uh, there is room for uh, conversation right up to the start gun. <laughs> I, I love that. I love when everyone's sort of milling around and your and that one friend comes over and just pinches your tire. Yeah. And says, oh, is that is that how you're going to ride that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Those those moments are, are magical. Uh, <laughs> You know, in a in a dark magic sort of way. Let's dark be honest. Magic, yes. yes. Uh, but yeah. So the the conversation, you know, will will sometimes start with, well, you know, if it's not if the train's not too crazy, it's like, well, are you going to do a road bike or are you going to do a gravel bike? There's not a lot of that conversation. But then the next step is, okay, gravel bike, right? Um, which tire? And that that conversation is the sort of thing that it's a little bit like a black hole in that it starts sucking other people into its orbit. Yep. You know, well, well, let's talk to somebody who's kind of, you know, bigger than us. And what are they going to choose? Uh, you know, uh, maybe maybe I need to be going with a wider tire and you can debate that stuff ad infinitum. But even once that is settled, there's the talk of pressure. 
Yeah. Right. And because there's no right answer, I mean, a lot of times people try to suck me into this conversation Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to, what, Larry, what tire are you going to ride? Ah, rubber one. (laughs) What pressure, what pressure are you going to run? I don't know. Some. I'll probably start pretty hard and then let some air out. Yeah. That, okay. That right there. That thinking of I'm going to start out with a lot of pressure and then I'm going to let some out <laughs> makes me crazy. <laughs> well, you, making you crazy makes me more inclined to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, so is, it the, is, is it the is it the horrible imprecision of it? That's one little piece. That's one little piece. Tell me more. Tell me more about how I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, here's the thing. So unless you brought a tire gauge along with you. Oh, yeah. Uh, and nobody does that. You know, when people start letting air out of their tires, they have no idea what they're arriving at. Oh, I know. And the thing that I've inferred, I can't swear, you know, that this is universally true. But my sense is that anytime someone begins with that as a strategy, uh, they go out with way too much pressure uh, to begin with. And then once they let out some pressure, they, because they're feeling conservative about that, they still don't let out as much pressure as they probably ought to. I, I, I love that this feels important to you because it feels almost entirely unimportant to me. Like I'm riding mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I'm like, uh, yeah, it feels a little, feels a little hard. Psst, psst. Ah, that's fine. Right there. And then it's fine. It's fine. I don't think about it again. And and I don't know what the pressure is. I seldom know what the pressure is that I'm running. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I don't care. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not standing on any podiums. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, looking for a, 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 I'm looking for that spot where the tire rolls pretty well and sucks up a little bit of nonsense and uh, gets pretty good traction. And to me, that's sort of alchemy anyway. Mm-hmm. So someone who tells me, oh, you want to be running 22 pounds. I'm like, OK. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sure. <laughs> I'm, I may be I may be your most frustrating riding partner. <laughs> no, I, 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 I doubt that. Um, but you're you're a card carrying member of the club for sure. Yeah, I'm a ca- I'm a, I'm just going to cowboy it most of the time. I just don't think I have to think about these things. I I love to insert also um sort of half-baked opinions into these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just to be iconoclastic? Well, just to be just kind of a jerk. You know, oh. like I, people <laughs> I, you know, was it Mike Tyson said everyone's got a plan until until you, you punch him in the mouth? Yeah. That's how I feel about most rides. Um, okay, you're going to run 22 pounds of pressure. That's great until we get to that one spot. And then whatever, we're all going to just keep pedaling. Uh, true. Um, <clears throat> so it, here, here's the reason. I'll just lay out what it is I know and why that makes me crazy. Yes, do it. Okay, so number one, riding with consistent tire pressure in a set of tires gives you a chance to really learn about, you know, just how they grip. And so if you're somebody who likes to take uh, dirt corners hard, uh, no names mentioned, uh, having consistent pressure allows you to have some sense of, you know, this is about the limit of what I can do. Or, you know, when you can push it hard enough to let the tires drift a little bit. Um, and a two-wheel drift on a bike 
is still one of my favorite things. That's just magic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love that. Um, you know, it's a chance for me to make me feel cool, which is a very difficult thing. Mm. Um, so there's something to be said for just getting to know a set of tires at one pressure and kind of leaving them there. Also, uh, and it's funny because I used to have people argue this up one side and down the other, but years and years and years ago, uh, I was talking to an engineer from Continental Tire and they said, you know, look, all the textbook curves on rolling resistance are wrong. Uh, our own research shows that at a certain point, uh, rolling resistance begins to go back up when you pump up your tires too high because they start slipping. Mm. Um, and so he said, you know, there's a there's an ideal pressure for every tire relative to the rider on them. OK, so it's it's not just that tire should be at 85 PSI. It's that under a 200 pound guy, that tire needs to be 85 PSI. Under a 130-pound woman, it might only need to be 72. But there is a pressure relative to each rider where you've optimized for rolling resistance. The other thing I've learned <clears throat> is that with gravel tires, by and large, everybody's pumping them up too high. They will actually roll faster at a lower pressure. I believe that. I run pretty low pressures on all of my trail inclined bikes. Uh-huh. Uh when I say I roll I pump them up pretty hard and then let some let some out, mm -hmm. I'm not pumping them hard. The tire is never hard. Mm -hmm. Um but you also use the word optimized quite a bit and uh I'm just not that I'm just not that uh inclined toward optimization and so it is you're right <laughs> so it is the results <laughs> <laughs> also i think getting like i get to know i get to know a tire uh by feel mm -hmm. and uh i will grant you that it is less precise than putting a number on various things. Uh, but it's just how I roll. I yeah, just, well, I, I will certainly grant that, you know, uh, finding the right pressure for a tire, it does take a certain amount of riding by feel and, you know, making mental notes to yourself about how a tire rode at a certain pressure. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have a particular pressure, uh, that I pump gravel tires to, you know, uh, some forties, I might take up to 36, some forties, I might only take up to 32. Well, uh, it, it depends on the day and the terrain, doesn't it? Mm, the terrain doesn't really make a difference, uh, in how I pump up the tires. Well, Maybe what I mean is the terrain on the day. So I might say I'm going to run 30 pounds of pressure mm -hmm. in, my, in my 40 millimeter tires. Mm -hmm. If it's wet, I might let a little out. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, yeah, I can, I can see how someone might choose that. But anyone listening will know, just from having listened to our back and forth here don't do what i do <laughs> <laughs> they might want to split the difference between us maybe the, maybe. the middle I mean, path the, is usually the way the truth is usually somewhere in the middle that's right yeah yeah mm. yeah uh i am in a position of beginning that debate uh today <clears throat> because uh against all better judgment and uh current fitness levels it appears there's a fair chance that I am actually going to ride the first grasshopper of the season. Which is this when? coming Saturday. Oh, this coming Saturday. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm at, somewhat familiar with your recent riding schedule. Mm-hmm. 
And I think you could be in for a real adventure. Oh, that's what we're calling it. Yeah. I mean, when you, uh, uh, an adventure is what happens when, you know, things stop going to plan. So. Yes. Yes. Uh, the term I was going to use was a comeuppance. A comeuppance. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes a good comeuppance, you know, Sometimes you need to kick your own ass or, or submit yourself for an ass kicking. Yeah. You know, like those spanking lines we used to get in grade school. (laughs) This is going to be a butt kicking of everybody at that event. I think, you know, on me, that is. Well, well, it doesn't matter uh, who's doing the butt kicking. What matters is that your butt will be kicked uh, it will tell you things and it will probably I mean, this is what I think happens. And, and you know, there's a whole separate um, pull to be done about panic training. But, I, you know, part <laughs> of part of the joy of panic training for me is that you go out too far, too hard and you learn just how not ready you are. Uh, and so as an actual training method, it's useless, but it also as a psychological tool, I think is very valuable. Huh. Uh, I will take that under advisement. There are exactly no opportunities for me to do any panic training between now and then. Um, (laughs) That's right. But immediately after there, there will be. Well, the event itself will be your panic training. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) just to bring it back to this uh, tire, tire pressure thing, (laughs) you're going to find out exactly uh, how many PSI short of optimal you are <laughs> to roll into the season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I'm faced with showing up at registration Friday night and going, what is the dirt up there? Like right now? Yeah. With all the rain we've had, it could be very muddy. Peanut butter. Oh, I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. Um, and it's the it's the sort of event where you know it's it's one big loop uh and bailing bailing probably means turning around before the the halfway point mm. yeah, you're not gonna do that. I don't see it i uh, uh my personal oracle is uh taking a bathroom break mm. Yeah, I I have no idea. I'm still not convinced I'll be there. Uh, I have never pinned on a number for an event at this weight. <laughs> oh, well, the wheels roll. The body moves forward. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Yeah. Well, I remember the season where I went into the season not fit enough and doing each grasshopper like set me back for three weeks. Oh, <laughs> well, so, you know, uh, a guy named Patrick Brady once said to me, you know, you can't hurry up and ride 100 miles. Mm, he did. Yeah, he said that to me, which was really good advice. And and what I have said to uh, other friends who have come into events woefully unprepared, I said, you know, don't worry about the distance and don't worry about the vertical. Just know we're going to ride our bikes all day and proceed accordingly. That. That is actually really solid advice. And that's a a wonderful, uh, shall we call it a philosophy? I mean, I think that's it. I think that's it. And, and as a mediocre athlete, um, this has been my, this has been my great learning, which is sometimes I show up unprepared and you know, it's going to hurt, uh, but it's just doing whatever it is all day. And then, you know, and if I if I if I don't try to keep up and I don't try to make a time and I don't try to do certain things and I just ride all day, it might still hurt, but it's all right. It's all right. Like I can wrap my head around that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if it gets to lunchtime and I think, wow, that's a lot and I still have to ride bikes all day. Uh, you know, it's a it's a good guideline because I think sometimes, you know, especially in a longer event, you think to yourself. Well, I'm going to go I'm going to go pretty good to mile 50 and then I'm going to make some decisions. That is that is a mistake. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's that is not uh that is not something I've ever done. Yeah. 
then you might be out of possible decisions to make. I'm not going to say that I haven't gotten to mile 50 and then had to face that question. Right. Yeah. But I never planned on it on the front end. Yeah. I know plenty of people who say, well, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to stay with the group until this point. I wouldn't, I just wouldn't put any conditions on it. You're going to be riding bikes all day. So you should just plan for that. And whatever anyone else does is their problem. Yep. Yep. That's scans. Yep. All righty. We're going to take a break and we will be back in just a moment. The Cycling Independent, which produces the Pace Line, is undertaking our first ever subscriber drive. The three of us who founded the Cycling Independent did not set out on this adventure to do subscriber drives. But as it turns out, this is the only way for any of us to be able to eat food or retain shelter. So here we are asking you to subscribe. Here's why it's worth your while. Number one, we put out good stuff. Features, essays, reviews, podcasts, etc. We make it all ourselves and we'll make more every day. Two, each of us has a track record of quality work and honesty. You can count on us to do our part when you do yours. Three, our main goal is to grow an independent community of cyclists, people who are dedicated to riding as much as possible and also getting as many other people as possible on a bike for the better of our own lives, our families, our towns, and even our planet. Four, more subscribers means we can bring more voices, more diverse voices, and better content to this little game of ours. They say a marketing effort shouldn't use negative words, that you should avoid words like don't and shouldn't and won't. But what we don't do is also part of our value to you. Number one, we don't plant cookies on your machine and then use them to serve you targeted ads from paying third parties. Two, we don't fling advertising at you every time you click on a story or link. Three, we don't accept money from companies trying to get positive press. And so when we recommend something, we do it freely and based on our real world experience. Four, We are not a monolithic publishing company channeling eyeballs into campaigns unrelated to cycling or channeling dollars into politics or other causes, not bike-specific, that might not jibe with your views. We are about the bike and riding and bringing people together. End of story. So this is it. We aim to add 300 subscribers in the month of March. 300 new contributors to the project. Join us. It will be worth it. We promise. Okay, we're back with the pace line, the podcast on two wheels. What are you pulling this week? I'm going to take on the fraught subject of earbuds and cycling. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, I'm someone who has long advocated against riding on the road with music thumping in earbuds. I've seen it cause problems on group rides. And I've read accounts of riders who suffered injuries because they couldn't hear what was happening around them and were, among other things, uh, hit by cars. Mm. Yeah. Uh, My attitude has been substantially different where riding off-road is concerned. Um, I've often ridden with music off-road. You know, mountain biking with a little rush in the ears, that's that's a good time. Mm. Yeah. or talking heads, for that matter. Uh, so that said, I've always kept the volume level reasonable so that it's possible for people to get my attention. Um, this practice was informed by the fact that I was once on a mountain bike ride at Deer Valley in Park City and caught up to a runner. I yelled, yelled again, and kept increasing my volume until no joke. I was at my absolute maximum. Uh, I was yelling with everything I had and could not get her attention. Uh, worse, the trail was on the side of a mountain and too narrow for me to pass for quite some distance. Uh, when I did finally find enough room to get by her, she screamed and yelled at me to let her know I was passing. (sighs) Classic. Yeah. Uh, I had a a few words for her. Sure. Um, They started polite enough. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 
um, I was maybe a little irked and didn't stay quite as polite as I could have, Ben right. Patrick. Uh, I used to ride with someone who always had music going road, mountain, gravel, whatever with people without, it was super annoying me to me to pull over for, you know, some reason, any reason, uh, start to speak and then have them say, Oh, hold on. And you know, they, they go up and they fish the earbuds out of their ears and turn off the music. Cause they don't want to miss that song. And you know, then I have to repeat everything. I have start, have to start completely over. Uh, and the question of like trying to say, oh, you know, let's move over this car's, you know, encroaching on the white line. There was no option for that. There was no alerting that person to anything whatsoever. Uh, and so not only was it annoying, I was also concerned for their safety. I'm withholding every opinion. My body's uh full of opinions. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, more recently, uh, partly because of my various annoyances uh, and not wanting to uh, put other people through those, I've taken to listening to books when I ride. Uh, I believe I've shared that here before. Um, I've essentially stopped listening to music. Uh, this is partly because there are so many books I want to read, uh, but the lack of time to get through them, as well as my desire to make sure I can hear other people and cars approaching and whatnot when I'm on the trail, has just kind of backed me into this particular uh, self-imposed corner mm. that still allows me to get through books. What I find truly mystifying are the people who go out with fully ear-enclosing headphones on. I mean, you can't even wear a helmet with those. Um, but maybe you stay more relaxed as you get hit because you can hear the car running. <laughs> so, so this is where, yes, please, opinions. You, am I just being an etiquette stickler? Um, well... There's what I feel and what I think. Okay. What I feel is don't ever do that. Don't do that. No, no music, no earbuds, no headphones. Don't do that. That's what I feel. Mm -hmm. What I think is. Um, on the road, no chance. Mm -hmm. Um. I have a pair of earbuds that have a transparency mode. So in in one mode, they are sort of noise canceling. So uh -huh. they're earbuds, but they are um, basically all you get is the sound coming through them. And then you can switch to transparency on and then uh -huh. it lets outside sound in. Mm. Um. Having said that, I would not ride on the road with them because I just don't think that's safe. If someone riding with me was like, I'm going to have earbuds in the whole time, I would say, enjoy your ride. I'll see you some other time because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because why are we even together if you are listening to music? Are we not talking? Are we not like what? That's not a ride together. And that's fine. Like, if you don't want to talk to me, that's totally cool. But I will see you next time. Um, uh, I, I've, I've seen people ride with Bluetooth speakers. Yeah. Party yes. style. And I guess if you're doing like a slow ramble with your with your friends, I, I, I can see that it it also bothers me. I just don't. You know, it's like radios on the beach. I'm like, why do you get to play DJ for the whole group of us? Mm -hmm. I'm just not mm -hmm. into that. I just I, I have this New England sensibility that's like kind of don't get your stuff on other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the part where I walk it back slightly and admit to my own stupidity, which is rampant. <laughs> um, I got hit by a car last week, not on my bicycle. Uh, but in the grocery store parking lot while walking. I have taken <laughs> I yes, I have taken to grocery shopping with headphones in, um, mm -hmm. which feels safe ish. Um, so, and I take them out at checkout like I'm not that guy. Um, 
But I was, I got out of my car and I started to walk into the store and I was looking down at my phone, getting, making sure the music I wanted uh, was happening. And suddenly I found myself two feet to the right of the line that I had been walking. <laughs> and uh, what had happened is a woman had come, uh, come out of her parking space in reverse. Uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, e- either without looking or without seeing and she was very uh, contrite, and I wasn't hurt at all. Yay. Uh, like, not even a little. So I, instead of being enraged, I found myself extremely amused. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And she was die like, she wanted to, to have the earth swallow her up. So her contrition, I think, helped quite a bit. And I said, well, it does I, make a big difference. It does make a big difference. Uh, and I said to her, um, look, I'm totally fine. Uh, I, I, I am not in any pain at all. There's no issue. Uh, let's be thankful for that. And let's each take a lesson away. Yours might be, look before you pull out of the parking spot. And mine might be, take your headphones out and stop staring at your phone while you walk across the parking lot. Uh, and if we can learn those things, we'll probably be okay. And then I took my leave of her. Uh, it was very civil and nice. Um, but, you know, I'm eligible for mistakes, and I certainly, while she did the very wrong thing, I also kind of did the wrong thing. I, I, I'm not going to disagree with anything you're saying. The other, the other piece, I think, to consider in this, um, and this is one I think about, because I do consider occasionally listening to music while I mountain bike. Mm-hmm. Um... But then I think I'm cutting myself off from the experience of nature. If, if you're doing that, but you can have good trail etiquette, like I've not, I don't, that doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. If another mm-hmm. rider is doing it, as long as they're aware of the people around them, they're mm-hmm. usually not. But as you know, if they are, I'm okay. Like I don't have that sort of objection, but. Uh, for myself, every time I think about it, I think, you know what? No, I want to hear the birds. I want to hear what's happening in the woods. So I'm going to go without. I get that. Yeah. And I, that has a lot of appeal to me. Um, I will confess a certain very deliberate strategy on my part at times uh, vis-a-vis music and mountain biking. And that is when I've been in a darker place and ruminating on certain subjects uh, over and over, which is what rumination is. um, um, Music has been a deliberate strategy uh, tool resource uh, that has allowed me to help break those patterns of thought. Um, If all I have is the sound of, you know, tires underneath me and, you know, birds and maybe the occasionally crackling twig from a tree coming down. I, um, yeah, I can, I can get into loops of thought that are not the best for me. Um, you know, even as I'm trying to do this thing that is good for me, uh, rumination like that is, uh, one of my, uh, one of the signs of me not being in a great headspace. Uh, right, right. So music has at times been very useful that way. Uh, books are also really, really useful that way uh, because it gets me really focused on something else uh, in terms of what my extra bandwidth uh, is doing. Well, I buy all that. Uh it's not for me to tell you whether it's okay or not, because that's just not who am I to say. But uh, I might recommend the Klipsch T5 Sport headphones, which have this transparency uh, feature, mm. uh, because mm-hmm. they really do suddenly let in environmental sound in addition to what you're listening to. I think I know what your paceline pick is next week. <laughs> Maybe so. You know, uh, I, I, I am going to avail myself of learning more about them, uh, probably before next week's show, 
but I will be very interested to hear more about those. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of Paceline picks, let's move on to those. Sure. So this week I'm going to pick some oatmeal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a lot of times if I'm riding in the morning and it's going to be under two hours, I don't eat before I go. Two mm-hmm. cups of coffee and out the door. Um, I kind of rationalize that by saying fasted exercise can force your body to burn fat instead of carbohydrate, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing for it to know how to do, even if you're not trying to lose weight. Yep. Um, the, the more obvious answer is that I'm just too lazy to feed myself. Uh, that's more often the case, but I rationalize it with that fasted exercise nonsense. Um, when I do eat, I try to eat oatmeal. Uh, because I know it'll give me a long burn. Mm-hmm. Um, usually oatmeal has something to sweeten it. Maple syrup, brown sugar, mm-hmm. apples, cinnamon, all things I like. Only sociopaths eat plain oatmeal. Um, that scans. Yeah. So you have you have a little sugar to burn when mm-hmm. you eat oatmeal. And then you have the oats to sustain you. Mm-hmm. Before a race or another event, oatmeal goes down easy. It's a good thing to eat when you have some butterflies in your guts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are plenty of oatmeals out there and I sometimes make my own, uh, but note what I said about being lazy more often than not, I choose Bob's red, Bob's red mill instant oatmeal. Mm. I trust the way it's made. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's not oversweetened. It uses good whole grain oats. Um, and they have invested some money in the past in cycling sponsorships, Oh, and since they did have done that, uh, it's just left me kindly disposed toward them pretty mm-hmm. much for eternity. Like, yeah. like you're a grains company <laughs> uh, and you're going to sponsor cyclists. I'm I'm with you. That's mm-hmm. now where I spend my money on oats. <laughs> All my oat dollars go to Bob's Red Mill. Yeah, um, I'm an apple cinnamon man, in case you were curious. I was. But they have maple brown sugar because I know that's who you are. I am. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I like to get the box with eight individual packets in it. Mostly I eat two of them. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I eat three. Um, These are available at most grocery stores, I think. Well, at least in New England. Sure. Uh, I, I will look, but I don't think I've ever seen them in a safe way here. Or a lucky. Um, but I will look. And failing that, there is a Whole Foods very near my home that I could check at. Yes. Uh, I purchased mine at my local Whole Foods. This uh-huh. is not an endorsement of Whole Foods. No. Okay. No. Yeah. Uh, I I have long been a big believer in buying products from, you know, companies that are not in cycling who choose to spend money on cycling. Exactly. I only I only used Crest toothpaste for something like 30 years. I would never buy anything else because they had a cycling team, you know, that was going in the 1980s. And the jerseys, let me just say, those jerseys <laughs> were first rate for 1980s graphic design. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would still like one of those jerseys. Um, you know, and they were, yeah, they were a badass team, but it's like... Crest stood by them for ages and I drove Subarus for a long time in part. Uh, I mean, it was a great car for new England, but also in part because they sponsored cycling for such a long time. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. goofy. It's goofy, but those things matter to me. Maybe it's not goofy. I feel it's goofy. Like, why do you buy that oatmeal? Oh, because they, they, they sponsored a local pro cyclist. Well, it, it's goofy in that you're doing exactly the thing they wanted. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, um, one hand washing the other, there's nothing unethical in that. And, you know, is it manipulative? Maybe a little, but, you know, who, who, who's harmed? Show me the harm. I mean, I got to buy oatmeal from somebody. Right. <laughs> right. Because people like you and me, we eat oatmeal. We eat oatmeal. Yeah. Yeah. Although I haven't had any lately. Uh, that's a different, I've been eating more muesli lately. Oh. Uh, yeah. And, and granola, a- that sort of thing. Acorns yeah. and gravel, as my friend uh, Dano would say. <laughs> that's fair. 
Yeah. So I did a gravel ride recently where I crossed a low-lying bridge as well as something that mm, wasn't quite a stream and nor was it a marsh, but it was wet and water went flying when I went through it. Um, I'd assumed before my ride that getting wet was a very real possibility, uh, starting, of course, with my feet. So that day I chose to wear seal skins, waterproof, cold weather, mid-length sock with Hydrostop. <laughs> they absolutely need to do something about that name. Uh, I, I mean, that's that's got that's got more syllables than a German noun. Well, it also it to me, it says waterproof three different times. Seal skins. I assume that's waterproof. Yes. Uh, then it says waterproof. Because mm-hmm. maybe we didn't get that a seal skin is waterproof. And mm-hmm. then it's with Hydrostop. <laughs> yeah, 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 Hydrostop. Uh, which is not a bad name, but, you know, they could just call it the Hydrostop sock, and that would pretty well encompass everything that, you know, leads up to that point. I, I mean, I would. it says cold weather. I would assume that anything that stops all the hydro is pretty warm, too. Yeah, yeah, that is a a very as as assumptions go. Yes. Uh, that one comes with a safety net. Yes. Yeah. Tell us tell us more. Okay. Uh so the socks truly are awesome though. Um they are absolutely waterproof socks. And Hydrostop is a silicone gripper uh at the top of the cuff on the inside that acts as a barrier to water running down the rider's leg. Uh I've worn a great many allegedly waterproof socks over the years, and these do a better job than anything else I've tried. Um, They're also the best fit of any. Hmm. It's not a super snug fit, um, but I don't, you know, my feet aren't ginormous. Uh, I don't think they make a smaller size than the one I have. uh, And memory says they come in three sizes. Um, but they, you know, they're flexible and it's a, it's a nice fit. That said, they are thick. Uh, it's a really good idea to have a pair of shoes with a somewhat loose fit uh, before donning these. A snug fitting shoe plus this sock is not, well, I wouldn't file it under fun. Um, I've got other socks that aren't as thick for days when it's just cold and maybe damp, but not wet. Uh, but when it's going to be both wet and cold, uh, I don't know of a better product than these, which may be why they retail for $58 for a single pair. Yeah. Ouch. What price dry feet? 58 bucks. Yeah. Uh, they are worth it. I, I promise you that they are worth it. I was sent my first pair of these by a PR agency you know, and that's how I learned about them. I didn't know they existed before I got a pair in the mail. Uh, when I wear these out, I will definitely buy more. Um, but it may be a while before I buy any because I have a pair that is now five years old and they are in terrific shape. Possibly affecting all of this is the fact that I might only wear them four or five times in a year. Sure. Yeah. Uh which is fine by me, you know, it's so fine had, by me. So you've had them five years. Uh, mm-hmm. You wear them five times a year. That's 25 wearings. It's two bucks. Uh-huh. That's $2 and change for dry feet. Uh, you know, to pay, to pony up that kind of money on the front end of a ride, say, you know, give me two fifty, and your feet can be drawing on this ride. I, I would give him three bucks. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here's your 250 and keep that change. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's an impressive thing. I once, uh, on one of the grasshoppers, uh, not to go touting Miguel's series again, but uh, on one of the grasshoppers, the first one of the season that used to happen, Old Cass, we were crossing Casadera Creek. And uh, the water was just more than knee deep. Mm. Um, I was three quarters of the way across Casadero Creek uh, or or Austin Creek. Sorry. Uh, I was just more than three quarters of the way across when uh, the socks finally filled up with water. (laughs) 
But I mean, again, we're talking about water that was more than knee deep. Right, right, right. Had it only been, you know, a half dozen steps through there, I would actually have done okay. I think what happened was it was me pulling my knees up violently, trying to get across as quickly as possible. It caused the, the cuff to open a little and let water in. Next, next week, your pick is obviously going to be Flex Seal. <laughs> um, could, could be, could be, you know, maybe I'll just take medical tape and wrap it around the, the top so that they can't flare open. Oh, the move is just to tool dip your feet before you go on a, a ride like that. You know, I've had friends kid about that. Uh, if it wasn't so hot, I might do it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. That's a wrap on another episode of the Pace Line. Uh, are you doing anything other than skiing this next weekend? Uh, I'm going home for the weekend. Okay. Uh, and I'll be skiing next week. So I hope to go home and do some riding uh, and then come back up and do some skiing if my uh, ache and body will let me do it. Hmm. That sounds neat. Uh, I expect that uh, on our next show, uh, either a very broken down version of me will be speaking or one who is mildly repentant uh, and uh, m- maybe uh, maybe experiencing borderline regret. Uh, I don't know uh, which of those I guys will show up. I look forward to that. I look forward yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, me, less so. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to be able to just go out and ride this thing and not die. Um, but I think getting to the end will uh, reduce me to much less than a full person. It's only what you have coming. Uh, I've got a lot coming. Yeah. Uh, we, we've all known that. Okay. This is where we ask you to subscribe. If you haven't already, uh, we are an independent production, so uh, we could use your help. Go ahead. Click that button now uh, and be aware. Most of what we bring in the door goes to other people, not John and me. Uh, he has assembled a fine group of freelancers, uh, contributors, for the site. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, also, if you haven't already check out our other podcasts, uh, revolting, which lives up to its name in some ways, but is highly entertaining and enter the deuce, which I've talked about enough, but just another little reminder that the full series is there. Also, we have a new show coming soon called the long way home. It will feature written work read by the author. It's more audible than fresh air. Maybe consider leaving a review wherever it is you found us. It makes it more likely other people will listen in. Constructive criticism is also accepted. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Emlyn Robot Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.